We're going to talk about 1 Peter chapter 5 today. It's the last chapter in 1 Peter. It's the last chapter of this series. And I really think there's a central question at the core of this, which is, what are you trying to accomplish in your life right now? What's something you're trying to accomplish? And I, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about it for a moment. of something that, like, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And when we're trying to accomplish something, have you ever like set out on a new adventure or like try to do something where it's like, okay, this year, like sometimes maybe it's new year, maybe going back in the fall where you're like, this is gonna be a little bit different. I'm gonna try to accomplish something new. For me over the last year, like CrossFit has been the thing that I've put in my life and I'm like, okay, I've, I've started doing CrossFit and I'm trying to accomplish like, all right, getting into that community, really getting healthy and doing the work. But there's something crazy that happens when you jump in to try to accomplish something you've never done before. When I first jumped into CrossFit, they went and they, I remember one of the first days I was there, the instructor started talking and started explaining what a deadlift was. And as she's talking about a deadlift, I realized like, oh, they call it a deadlift because there's an 80% chance you're gonna die uh, doing this move. <laughs> and so she was there and she was really like, okay, do this, do this. And she's like, technique's really important because for some of you, and she looked right at me, for some of you, you could throw out your back if you do this wrong. And so she says to do it and all of a sudden I get this cold sweat of like, do I know how to do this right? And so she gave the whole thing, talked through it and she's like, ready, set, begin. And what I did was I immediately began scanning the room and I looked for the most ripped guy in the room there and I was like, I'm gonna watch how he does it because I wanna do it exactly like he does it. This guy knows what he's doing and I need to apply all those same things to the way that I do this. You see, what I was looking for is an example. And if you're gonna try to accomplish something in your life, what you need, especially if it's something you've never accomplished before, you need an example. When we're trying to accomplish something that is meaningful and important to us, we need examples on what to do. When I, when I first learned about like um, investing and that sort of thing, Rudy Gates actually sat down with me for coffee and explained like, okay, these are some big ideas about investing. I learned about that. When I started doing podcasting. I looked for examples of who to do that. If you're trying to do something that's new and you've never done before, it's good to find examples. And I think all the more so in our faith. If we're trying to live a meaningful life of faith, if we're trying, like, there's two ways you can approach your faith. Like, I wanna be stagnant, I wanna be exactly where I am right now, or I wanna grow. Does anyone wanna grow in their faith? Anyone wanna grow more? Anyone? Okay, if you wanna grow more, what you need is you need examples of like, okay, this person looks like they're growing in their faith. How do they do that? And that's what 1 Peter 5 talks about. So open the scripture with me. You can open it on your Bible. You can open it in the YouVersion app uh, there, which is the Bible app, and read along with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 says this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples. Everyone say examples. Being examples of the flock. Underline that word, highlight it. And when the, Christ, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to elders. All of you close yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And so this idea 
of being examples. What really this is taught often as an instruction to pastors, but I think anyone who is going to be a leader in the church, this is an outline of like, okay, do you wanna be a leader? This is what a leader looks like. So there's three big ideas in this passage that he talks about. One is, what are they pursuing? What are they pursuing? If you wanna know who a leader is, you wanna know like, who, what are they pursuing in life? And are they pursuing God? Are they pursuing the things of God? Um, I think it's really important. Uh, Matthew 6, says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So you wanna look at like in your own life and even if you're, if you're going to a church, if someone moves to a city and they're like, Rob, well, I'm looking for a new church. What should I look for in a pastor? What should I look for in the leadership there? I'm like, look for what they're pursuing. What are they after? What do they talk about? What are they passionate about? If it's God and the things of God, if it's Jesus and who he is in one of your life, like that's what the type of leadership that you wanna put yourself under. Idea number two is, are they eager to serve? It's really interesting. Are you in it for your own gain? If you were in ministry, if you were in leadership, if you were to do any sort of leadership for your own gain, Jesus warns against that over and over again. You need to be it not for your own gain because you're eager. You wanna be it because you believe in the value of this. Philippians 2 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then the third idea it talks about is, are they humble? James 4, 6 says, he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Peter talks about that idea. God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. And this list seems pretty simple, actually. It seems like, okay, pursue the things of God, be eager to serve, and be humble. But if I, want, but if I can be really honest with you today, I've been intimidated by church leadership for much of my life. My dad was a pastor, and so I saw the pressure that my dad was under, and I've been intimidated by church leadership, not because I necessarily didn't know what to do, but because I didn't wanna fail, because I didn't wanna be the bad example. I think as we're here in 2023, we have a lot of examples of leaders who have fallen short, a lot of examples of leaders who have failed, and I've always been like, I don't wanna be one of those leaders. And it's, and it's terrified me in a certain way. And part of the reason it terrifies me is because usually when I'm in the example, I'm the example of like how things go wrong. Like when I, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I actually was like the pastor's kid and everyone thought like I was squeaky clean and kind of did all the things. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a bit of a rebel. I'm a bit of a wild man. And so I was like, I'm gonna show how adventurous I am. So a buddy of mine, he's driving down the road one day and he's there and he's like, he's like, hey Rob, and I was like, you know what? Let's get in a little bit of trouble, bro. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I open up this bag and I was like, I got some fireworks that I got from Wyoming. <laughs> and he's like, Rob, what are you doing? And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna light this bottle rocket and we'll just go down the road and I'll light it and it'll be so funny and hilarious and go up and we'll just drive away and it's gonna be awesome. So we're driving down this road, I grab the bottle rocket and then I light it in my, uh, light it, uh, the fuse right there in my hand, only I was holding it a little too far up and when I lit the fuse, the spark like hit my hand and I dropped the giant bottle rocket in the car. <laughs> it's a true story. I dropped the bottle rocket in the car. So my buddy's driving and he's like, what's that sound? And there's like the hissing, like Mission Impossible. The wick is just like, 
getting closer, and I'm like, it's in between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, and, he, and so I'm like, ah, so I flick it down, like flick it like toward him. And so as I flick it, he freaks out and he's like, ah, and he reaches to grab the bottle rocket. <laughs> Only as he reaches to grab it, we're in this neighborhood, and as he reaches to grab it, he just pulls the steering wheel and the car flies into a yard and into like, like bashes, like right through a fence. And then we're all the way there, and then pop, it explodes in the car, but you could barely hear it because the bang of the fence was so loud. So it was so intense, and then the police came, and they're like, what happened here? And we're like, oh, our brakes went out. <laughs> Kids, Pastor Rob says, do not lie to the police. Uh, <laughs> and some police are like, no, your brakes work fine. And so then we told them the whole story, got a ticket, it was a whole big sort of deal, that sort of thing. But it was just one of those examples of like, okay, I'm gonna do something really, really well, or I'm gonna do something really fun, adventurous, and even that kind of turned out bad. And so, I mean, you, like, I was talking with Pato yesterday and just sharing stories, and I was like, I have so many stories of being the example of when things go wrong. I feel like it's like a theme in my life. And like, like I'm an adventurous guy, and just things go wrong for me, and I'm like, but there's certain things where I just don't want it to go wrong. And in my leadership and in my faith, I don't want things to go wrong. And I think many of you here actually have that same sort of thing where it's like, I wanna be out there, I wanna be a leader. I feel like God is calling me to something. I feel this stirring inside of me, but what if it goes wrong? I'm gonna be the example of the failure. I'm gonna be the example of things going sideways. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna step back. And I think it's really important. Who's the author of this series we're in? All right, yeah, not a rhetorical question. Who is it? Peter. Peter, that's right. So Peter is the author. He is the one who wrote this, and he has a really critical story that happened in his life. Peter was there, and uh, right before Jesus was crucified, like at the middle of, Passion, of the Passion Week, he was there, and he was having the Last Supper with all the disciples, and he looked at Peter, and he told him, he said, you know what? Um, some of you are going to betray me. And then Peter's like, Lord, I would never betray you. I'd never do it. And Jesus says to Peter, actually, you're going to deny me three times tonight before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter says, that's not true. You don't know who I am. You don't know what my character is. Well, later on that night, what Peter didn't know was Jesus was going to be arrested and taken to the house of the high priest. And Peter was outside that garden of the house of the high priest. And as he was there, someone says, didn't you know Jesus? And Peter thought, you know what? I can deny him because Jesus is never gonna know what happened. And so he denied him once. Another person said, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter says, no, no, I was not with him. He denied him a second time. A third time, someone says, no, you know Jesus. Peter said, no, I don't know him. And right at that moment, the rooster crowed. And Peter realized, I let Jesus down. At the moment when he was counting on me, when he said, I would, when I said I would never do it, I failed in that sort of way. And so that terrified Peter. But what I love about this uh, book and what, about this passage is Peter had had the failure but then he was actually reinstated by Jesus as well. In John 21, 15, it says this. When they had finished eating, this is after uh, the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and Jesus comes back and he actually appears to them, takes them fishing one more time. And then uh, verse 15 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And the reason these three times are important was because Peter denied him three times and Jesus gave him the opportunity to redeem himself, to restore himself those three times. You see, Peter, what's the, what's the metaphor that he uses? Do you remember beginning this chapter and the metaphor he uses of what a pastor or what a leader should be? A shepherd. A shepherd is a metaphor. And so that a shepherd is a really important metaphor to Peter because Jesus told him, feed my sheep. Jesus told him, look for the people under your care. Look for the people who need the hope and love that I provide and feed those people, take care of those people. And so I think a lot of times we stand back because we're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know what the example I'm going to be. I can't do it as good as Pastor Ross. I can't do it that well. Well, guess what? I can't do it as good as Pastor Ross either. He has beautiful voice, amazing hair. Like, like I just, <laughs> I can't hold a candle to him. But God is calling on me, on my life. I can tell stories. I can be who I'm called to be. I can stand up here in front of you today and say, even if you failed, even if things have gone wrong, even if you feel afraid, I don't wanna be that example of failure. God says, no, I'm calling you to something more. You can be an example of perseverance. You can be an example of turning towards him. You can be an example of hope and light towards other people. That call is on the life of every single person in this room. I believe it. And so that's what we are called to. You see, the church needs your voice as someone who is honest and good and hopeful. And in 2020, I actually learned even from my own daughter that that voice can come from anywhere. Emma Jane uh, is my youngest daughter. I have four daughters. A lot of people say, oh, are you gonna have a boy? I was like, I didn't know you could try for a boy. And so, uh, <laughs> so I have four daughters and they are the most incredible people in the world. And, but I remember in the middle of 2020, just like actually right in 2020 when quarantine started and things shut down, Sarah and I were talking about how divisive things seemed. Sarah and I were talking about how afraid we were. We were talking about how hopeless things seemed. We didn't, like the church had shut down. We're like, we don't know what the future is gonna hold. And so Emma Jane, come on up here. Uh, so Emma Jane, I'm actually gonna have her like show what she did in the middle of that crisis in our life. She was there and she's someone, at the time she was, uh, in pre-K, so she's just a little pre-K kid, but she realized, Do you know what? When the world is hurting, I can actually use my voice to bring hope and help for others. So here, I'll help you with it. Just bring it on up. <laughs> Come on up. Everyone, welcome Emma Jane. <laughs> How you doing, Emma Jane? Good. <laughs> awesome. What are you excited for today? Um, ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> Good answer. Well, so in the middle of everything going on there, Emma Jane actually was there and she knew her classmates were feeling sad. She knew her teachers were feeling sad. So she decided to make a video to give everyone some hope and some inspiration. And here's the video right here that she made. We gotta work together. We're working together, guys. Gotta work together on Shell Day. Even every day when we have schoolwork, even you can pray and wish, and if you even have a dream that quarantine's done, there's no quarantine, it was like Christmas, and 
got to see all your friends and everyone else. Well, that's the dream I had right now. That's the dream I had. Now, everyone, just be strong and work and see the thing. Strong it up. But it's me, Emma Jane. Just like, get your power up and go and bring this thing and get so strong. Everyone just work together, work together. Even Miss Sarah. Just work together. Okay, okay. Good job, Emma Jane. <laughs> okay, you're good, baby. You can go back. And so she made that video and actually we posted it online. A ton of people started sharing it. It kind of went viral. She's, her preschool teacher, Miss Aaron, was like, why did I get called out? <laughs> like, what did I do? But, the, but her like, parents were sharing it and other people were sharing it. And I realized like Emma Jane saw a problem. She saw hopelessness. She saw sadness. And she's like, you know what? No, she was that lone voice. She was in pre-K. And she's like, no, we don't have to be sad. We, we call it the power up video. We like, we can power up, we can be strong and we can work together. And in a time where everyone was fighting with each other with so much divisiveness, a little child's voice was saying, no, there's another way. Listen, God can use anyone from anywhere. He can use any single story. You are never too old. You are never too young. When you, when you start to think those things, I'm too young for God to use me. I'm too old for God to use me. Those are lies from the enemy. They're not the truth. The truth is God sees you and he sees your story. And Peter asked for elders. He asked for elders in this chapter. And what elders mean is just someone who is living in the faith, someone who is there, who's been in the faith and is like, okay, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna follow God. And so I think, I think it's really powerful. So um, let's keep reading. First uh, Peter 5, 6 says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, there are two types of people. One is the elder and two is the follower. And so we are called to be examples, we are called to lead, but we are also called to follow. And the truth is, there are leaders, there are people, and the leaders and people who uh, you should be careful of trusting are people who don't need any other voices in their life. People are like, you know what? I've got this all on my own. I know where I'm going. Have you ever been on that road trip with someone who like, won't ask for help? It's there that maybe the GPS isn't working or if you remember the time before GPS with maps. I remember my dad was like, my mom was like, maybe we should pull over and ask for help. And he's like, nope, I know where it is. And we just kind of keep going. And sometimes you're like, please be humble enough just for ask for help. Be humble enough to ask for directions. And so that's the question that I have for you this morning is, are you humble enough to ask for help? Are you humble enough? Like what, like God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. When we act like, you know what? I've got it all together. I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. You are setting yourself up for a fall. You are setting yourself up for things to fall apart. What did Peter do? When, he, when Jesus said, I will never, when Jesus said, you're gonna betray me, Peter said, no, I will never betray you. Peter had that pride and then he fell. And so what we're called to is to be humble enough to ask for help. We must ask for others. And most of all, we must ask for help for God. Stop trying to carry everything on your own. Let's keep reading. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter uses a lot of like animal references in this chapter. This time he started off talking about shepherd and sheep and flocks. And now he's giving another analogy here. He is talking about a lion. Have you ever been to a zoo or even more so watching those like National Geographic like specials on like the lion and how like intense and hungry they are? Have you ever seen those before? You, you see the way they are and they just go and they like devour their prey. And I imagine in those days, like where there were no caged animals, where there were no, or there were no zoos at least, Peter was like, if you see a lion in the wild, you need to be very, very careful. You need to be on your guard. And that's what he's calling us towards. He's saying, hey, you need to be on your guard because he's imagine, I think what he's imagining this chapter is the sheep, the people who are there in the field with no one to protect them. And he's like, you need to be on your guard to protect uh, the sheep against the lion and you need to be on the guard in your own life to protect against the lion. You see, the truth is, for all of us, is we wanna be examples, but we are going to be tempted by the, our biggest weaknesses. Like the enemy knows whatever the weakness you have. And each one of us in the room have a different weakness. What may be a temptation to you may not be to someone else. And so as we live our lives, we need to be mindful of like, what are the weaknesses and what are the things that can cause us to fall, that can cause us to stumble. You have to kind of pre-decide those things. Like for instance, my wife, she loves vegetables. She loves beets very, very much. She like, like she will, if you start talking to her about beets, like the vegetables, she will just like talk about all the things that you can do with them. She gets really excited. Like if we're at a restaurant and there's like a beet salad on the menu, I'm like, I'm paying for that. Like, like that's just gonna happen. And so like she loves those so deeply. But for me, I could walk through a field of beets and I would not be tempted one moment. <laughs> I'd be so strong, I'd be like, you know what? Beets are not even a temptation to me. Now, if I walk through a field of bacon, <laughs> I'm probably not walking out alive. Like, I, <laughs> like, that's why God did not make fields of bacon. And so, uh, but you know, each one of us are wired a little bit differently of each one of us, of like, of what tempts us, of what will get us into trouble. And there may be very few people who knows what tempts us, but the enemy knows. The enemy knows what tempts you. And the more that you step out into something, the more that like, we are called to step out into something. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. But when you step out, know that you'll be tempted. When you step out to lead that group for the first time, know that you may be tempted. When you step out to volunteer on team one, know that the temptations are gonna be there. When you're stepped out, when you step out and you go on missions trips, I was talking with Lori this week about all the missions trips and there's nothing that makes your humanity come to the surface, like being in another country where it's hot, where you don't know the language, where there's no ice water, where you can't find the creature comforts. When you're in another country with those people, that's when your real temptations, that's when your real flesh comes out. And Jesus knew that and Peter knew that as well. And so that's why he says, be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour. But you can resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because what I love about this is this, because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So if you felt persecuted for your faith, if you felt isolated for your faith, if you felt like, ah, I'm, I'm nervous to speak out or be who I am because of my faith, you can know, you can take of good heart because there are people all over the world who are going through those same kind of sufferings. That was true when Peter wrote it and it is still true today. 
And so we're, we're being asked to stand firm. I love that uh, example. Has anyone here last week and heard Lori uh, preach her message? It was such a good story that she gave about the bear coming. And when the bear is out there, what do you wanna do so naturally? When the bear is out there, you wanna run. Every human impulse says, I see bear, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run as fast as I can. But if you run, the bear is gonna devour you. And so they were trained of like prey. I think, was it prey or spray? Spray. It was spray, yeah. <laughs> the, the, and and I, I think it was like stand, oh man, I, I forget what it is. There was a whole acronym of what to do, but essentially it was like stand, ready, alert, spray your spray, I, or make sounds, that sort of stuff. But uh, I don't know, because I've never had to go on the wilderness adventure and face a bear, but Lori was trained in it. And she was trained of like, okay, when the bear is coming, this is what you do, and you have to pre-decide those sort of things. You have to pre-decide before the emergency happens. If you've been in law enforcement, or if you've been in the military, so much of the time and effort, it's like, we're gonna train you what to, ha- what, we're gonna train you what to do before the crisis happens, so when the crisis happens, you're not freaked out, you're not terrified, you know exactly who you are, and you know exactly what to do. We have to do the same thing as believers. We have to do the same thing where we train and we pray and we take time every day and we decide deep down like, okay, this is who I'm gonna be when things are rough at work, when things are hard in my marriage, when that teacher gives me the grade that I don't deserve, when I feel the temptation and think like, ah, no one's looking. You can get away with this. No one's ever gonna know. When I think those things, I'm gonna be like, you know what? No, I knew who I am. I know who I've decided to be, and I'm not gonna let the circumstance define my character. I'm gonna let my faith define my character. That is what we're called to. We need examples of other people standing firm in their faith. We need examples of other people standing firm in their faith. Band, you can go ahead and come on up here. First Peter 5, 10 says this, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever, amen. And so that's kind of how First Peter ends of like, listen, there are, there are sufferings, there are moments, there are difficulties, there are temptations, but there is an eternal glory in Christ that we are there. And suffering that maybe happened momentarily, it's gonna be there for a little while, but there is restoration. And I think that word restoration is so meaningful to Peter of like, you know what? I, I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know what your month has looked like. I don't know what your year has looked like. But if there's been a bad chapter in your story, if your life is not where you want it to be right now, the reality is God will restore you. God is still here working in your story and in your life. On Friday, I actually sent out an email uh, just asking for prayer, uh, just if anyone needs prayer. And I was amazed at all the different stories of heartache, of difficulty that I got back. But I was also encouraged of like, we have a church that believes that you know what? When I'm facing sickness, when I get that layoff in a job, when I get that frustration in a relationship, whatever else is going on, I don't have to bottle it up deep inside and just carry it on my own. I can offer it up to God that I need prayer and I can offer up to my pastors and leaders. Like, you know what? I don't wanna carry this on my own, please carry this with me, pray with me. So as we end today, I wanna to give a little bit of time just to reflect and really two questions. One is, have you not been the example that you were hoping to be? 
Did you hope you'd be a certain example and then things haven't turned out that way? You want to be a better example for your job, maybe for your kids, maybe for your family, maybe in your faith. But it's like, ah, that hasn't turned out the way I wanted it to be. Or maybe too, there was someone else you were looking to, to as an example and then that person failed you. That person hurt you. Could be a pastor, teacher, a parent, something else like that where you look to them and they failed you. And because of that, you're like, I'm not gonna step out and be an example myself because I don't wanna be that same sort of way. I think God wants to restore those things this morning. I think God wants to say, you know what? Those things happened, but they are not who you are. They're not who your story is. And so I actually wanna invite you to stand up right now. And we're just gonna take a few moments and we're gonna worship together. And, and prayer team, I'll have you come up in a moment where right now I just want you to take a little bit of time and sing this song and reflect on the message and reflect on what God is calling you to be in your life. Let's worship together.